This is The Dugout. Every Tuesday at 1 with Bump and Stacy. Inside access to the clubhouse from Shannon Dreyer on Seattle Sports. The home of the Mariners. All right, Manny Acta going to join us in just a minute here. Before we do, it is the dugout from 1 to 2, all Mariners. So let's start with the lineup. Out, game two against the Cubbies. Here we go. Julio Rodriguez leading off. You got France, Suarez, Raleigh, Hernandez, Kelnick, Wong, Lastella, your DH. Rounding out the nine is Crawford. Chris Flexen on the mound, 4.40 p.m. First pitch, 3.30 p.m. Pre-game show. It's right here on Seattle Sports. How do you like that lineup bump while we're uh, getting Manny on the line right now? Um, when you were reading that, I just thought of that country song. How do you like me now? How do you like that lineup? <laughs> <laughs> I like it. I like it. Yeah, I like it. I mean, this is what we have. This is what we need to roll with. You know, I'm more looking forward to Colton Wong getting going. I'm looking forward to Jared yes. Kelnick keeping it rolling. And uh, Cal Raleigh doing his thing. All right. Joining us right now on the Emerald Queen Casino Sportsbook Hotline, Mariners third base coach, Manny Acta. Manny, how's it going? It's going great. Getting ready to win a ball game. Here in Chicago. Love it, love it. Hey, just out of curiosity, now you've obviously been to been to Wrigley, and uh, it's something we were talking about with Chris Flexen yesterday. Is for fans, it's really cool to go to Wrigley. Do you feel it as a coach or player as well? Oh, absolutely. This is uh, <laughs> this is a historical place, and uh, what they've done with the place is also outstanding because uh for years we didn't think that they have enough room and uh, mm-hmm. it was impossible to make it better but right now it's uh it's a really good place it's not one of my favorite ones but um it, they have made it into a spectacular place compared to what it was we've seen a uh, ty france get off to a good start he even stole a bag he leads the team in doubles. Is he is he telling you to send him now or you gotta calm him down a little bit like look, man, it's ain't you <laughs> I'm ready. <laughs> it, it depends uh, the the shoes that he's wearing. Whenever he's wearing <laughs> white shoes, he, he tells me that he feels fast and I could send them. And uh, whenever he's wearing grays or, or dark dark blues, I have to take that into consideration. <laughs> no, no, no. He uh, he's done a good job over the last couple of years of uh uh, working on his leads and and jumps and stuff like that, just to to make uh, to make himself available for me to to send him, a, you know, uh, more than in the past. Hey, uh, you've been obviously around uh, Jared Kelnick for uh, for the entirety of his career, but he finally seems to be kind of on a nice little hot streak here now. It's early in the season, but it sure is good to see. Do you notice a difference about him um, just being around him? Does he feel more confident or or what? I don't think confidence is the world. Yeah. JK, it, it, it's, a, it's a guy that he's full of confidence. Uh, but I, I do think uh, that he did a lot of work during the off season on his swing and uh, his approach at the plate. He's not chasing uh, like he was in the past. Uh, I, I think uh, he, he's he's himself now up here. I think in the past he was trying to just uh, produce right away and and fulfill all the expectations that everybody has put on him. But you know he he looks good and uh, he looks right now like the guy that we were anticipating years ago and. You know, all that, that work that he uh, uh, put on during the off season is paying off. He looks good. He's, he's got a good approach at the plate, uh, being patient, and uh, it's good. We, we, we need him to, uh, uh, to be the guy that we were, that we were projecting to be, and, and, and right now uh, he has a good start, and hopefully 
he'll carry it into the end of the season. Manny, uh, Ty France got hit with a ball, but he was um, he was opposite of the foul line. Have you seen that before? How often has that happened? Yeah, uh, we've seen that you know plenty of times, and uh, a lot of the players uh, they they get kind of panicky because a lot of the guys that play the game don't know all the rules, and mm-hmm. you know they they think that if they get hit, it's an automatic out or whatever, but. Ty knows the game, and he was close to the line, but he, he knew that by being struck by the ball in foul territory, it wasn't a big deal. I was just more worried about him. And, um, you know, it was okay. He, he just barely got hit by it, and uh, uh, he's a big target. We know that. You say a lot of guys don't really know the rules. So when that happened, when you got back to the dugout, was there a conversation about it? Some young guys like, oh, I didn't know that was uh, how that went down. <laughs> no, 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 no. It's just uh, over the years, and especially – uh, you can tell about the fans, too. I mean, the fans' uh, reaction as soon as somebody gets hit down the line, they think uh, it's an automatic out. But can't compare the fans with a lot of the players. But, you know, the players, uh, they concentrate on playing the game and uh, the rules uh, on the field and stuff. That That's our job. And a lot of them don't understand every single one of them. But that, yeah. I think that one is uh, – it's pretty clear, and, uh, and and I would say that everybody knows about it now. Hey, Manny, are you uh, near the batting cage right now? Yes, I am, actually. I try to find – you were mentioning Wrigley Field earlier about uh-huh. you know, all the new stuff, and it's pretty hard for me to find a quiet spot uh, to do oh, this interview. No, this is perfect. What I was going to ask is if there are any players or Mariners players getting in some work <laughs> to set the scene for us here oh, in Seattle. Oh, yes. Oh, absolutely. I mean, with these guys, they come really early to work. Uh, a lot of the guys are taking the first bus, which uh, it's usually around 1230. Mm-hmm. Right now, I'm the batting cage, and J.P. Crawford is getting some work in with the batting, uh, with the hitting coaches, and uh, some of the guys have come down already. I mean, Guys don't stop working. Yeah. Yeah. Even if uh, you don't see some results on the field, it's not because it's not working. Derek Kellenek is right here right now, so it's Sam Haggerty and a few more guys. So they're putting in their work. What's the um, – now, I asked this question, and I feel like I already know the answer, but just the, what's the confidence of this team? A lot of people, you know, they don't realize it's 162. 11 games in, this team is doing some good things, but they see Munoz get hurt, they see Robbie, they see some other things, and they start to panic. And Stacy and I have been on the, the, the train to just calm down, let, let it all play out. How, how's the, the confidence of this team right now? Yeah, the, guy, the guys are, you know, they're, they're confident. This is a good group. This is a special group that we found that out two years ago. Mm-hmm. I mean, everybody knows that. Everything didn't start last year. It was uh, the year before last, and even the year of the pandemic, the guys started to show some signs of what we're building over here. They know. They know what's at stake. Right now, you know, our situational hitting is not where it should be, but, I mean, it's going to change, and we're going to do better. Uh, These guys know that injuries are are part of the game. It's It's almost impossible to keep your whole rotation and your pitching staff healthy for the full season like we did last year. So mm-hmm. um, we do have some depth. I mean, the fact that we have Flexen that can step right in for Robbie until he gets healthy. And, you know, the Munoz issue uh, is not as serious. So we have to uh, we have to keep on playing and, and people have to step up. And we had some guys come up like Gabe Spires and Topa and, 
and they're giving us a list right now. So we just got to continue to work, and uh, and the things are, are going to change for us. And I, I do understand that some people panic, and I'm a guy that feels that baseball is like, it's like golf. I mean, every stroke counts, and in baseball, every game counts. So I, I don't like saying, oh, it's too early and all mm-hmm. that. But I, 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 I do like saying, hey, there's plenty of games left for us to, you know, just uh, get better and do what we did. Last year in June, we were 10 games under, under 500, and everybody thought we were dead in the water and, and things too. So, I mean, it, it's, uh, uh, it's early. It's a lot of games left, and I know that everyone counts, but we'll, uh, we'll ride the ship. Manny, if our listeners know me, you said a four-letter word that gets me excited. You mentioned golf. <laughs> do you golf? What's your golf game like? Holla at me, Manny. I, I, I do. I do golf. I, I love it. I'm not very good, and I'm, I'm getting better because during the off season I, I put the time into it, but uh, I do enjoy it. I love being out there and, uh, and hitting a ball, being in the middle of nowhere, and smoking a cigar, and <laughs> In a drink here and there. <laughs> You're speaking so. Bump's language right now. Oh, I, I, I love I, that's that's probably one of my favorite part of it. Manny, we just became best friends. When the season's <laughs> over, holla at me. We gotta get around there. No. Oh yeah, oh yes. <laughs> Manny, you mentioned you know, hey, I'm not super good. I'm getting better at it, but I do enjoy it. I am assuming that you have golfed with some other coaches, with some players. Who's the best golfer, player or coach? Uh, and our coaches staff, uh, probably our best golfer is our traveling secretary, mm-hmm. uh, Jack Mossman. But Stephen Vaught and uh, Scott Service are really, really good. Uh, Tony Arnerich, our hitting coach, is yeah. a very good player, too. And then the other guys are hard-hitting guys. The guys like Carson and guys like Woody, they hit the ball very, very far. Uh, they might not be... You know, as good of a player as the other guys, at, you know, short game, mid game, putting, and all that. But they're big bangers. Uh, Chris Negron is a it's a big time prospect coming up. And as far <laughs> as the player, I I don't I haven't had a chance to play much with with the players, but I I hear that you know the pitchers are probably the good ones. The, the, the Flexen, George Kirby is really good. I heard that Jared Kelnick it's a it's a really good player too. But um, you know, I, I don't. I actually don't play with them much. They they play among among themselves, and the coaches, you know, play with us because we have to play from the whites. You know, those guys <laughs> play from back there. We play from the whites. <laughs> oh man, I love it. I love it, man. Um, third base, you're you're in the game. Like you are a coach, but you're in the game. You feel the game. You hear the the chirp and the chatter that's going on. Have you ever had an opponent on third base? Try to get in your head and talk a little crap to you, or do they do they leave you alone because you're 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 a coach and not a player? No, 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 no. The, the the people on the field don't don't get involved into that. You know, I uh, usually the guy at third base just says hello to you and, and talk very little during the game. Guys and the other dugout they they respect you because mm-hmm. they never know when they're going to end up. You know, I'm not going to be ragging on a third base coach. <laughs> yelling at him or whatever, and then next year I get traded to Seattle. How am I going to face that guy? And, and all that kind of stuff. Uh, you usually get it from the fans. And uh, you know, a, t- a third-base coach is a, it's, it's a tough job, and it's a, it's a fun position to be in because you're part of the game. You yeah. feel like 
uh, you know, you're you're in everything and have to be paying attention to everything. But it's also a position where people only find out who you are when somebody gets thrown out of the plate. You know, you can, you can a team can score 800 runs and no one says anything. But if a guy gets thrown right. out of the plate, everybody will know the name uh, and the mom's name and uh, the father's name of the third base coach. And that, that that's the only issue that comes with it. But. You know, it's it's part of the job, and you need to work at it and to prepare yourself, and you need to take chances too, because that's that's what the game is all about. Now, obviously, your uh, position with this team isn't just limited to being a third base coach. You're a mentor for a lot of these guys, a friend for a lot of these guys, and and uh, that includes the young guys. I mean, you've talked to us before about Julio Rodriguez and um, and just kind of being around him. Now, Manny, year two for him is really interesting because now the rest of the country knows about Julio, right? And that kind of you know started with the home run derby, all eyes on him. But uh, it's it's clearly transitioned into making his star brighter in year two. Has anything changed behind the scenes? I mean, what's he like behind the scenes in year two? Uh, not at all. He's just uh, he's just unbelievable mature for his age. You know, he's a guy who um, knows what where he's going, know, knows where he, he's coming from, and knows what he has to do to continue to do, to stay uh, on top of the game. And uh, it's amazing how um, all all the guys here that are older than him, respects him and, and, and listen to him, you know. Julio Julio is really special. I always said it not not only on the field, as I mentioned to you guys before, yeah. but off the field because uh, you know, his confidence, he his discipline. He's I seen very few guys that are as young as he is or being in the first or second year in the big league that gets up and speak on the hitters meetings or team meetings. Uh, in the past in baseball, guys that are that young don't don't say much. Mm-hmm. They uh, you know they feel intimidated, or you know you'll have maybe a tough veteran that just say, "Oh, just be quiet. You just got here." Blah blah blah. Uh, from day one, this kid has never been intimidated. He's never. Uh, he's always been a leader, and the veteran guys they they respect them and, and want to hear from him because uh, you know he respects people around him too that's another thing and everybody respects him and everybody knows that he cares that he's not faking anything he really cares and enjoys what he does and it's just uh it's impressive that a guy uh, at that age has that that you know self-esteem yeah. and confidence to stand up in front of people and in his second language and um you know speak about the opposite pitcher or uh, or or you know, what it takes to beat a guy or, or, or do on the field. And, you know, I, I just, I never seen one like that. Uh, I've been up here for 19 years and usually um, the, the, the young guys, they just, they're shy. They don't want to say anything. They, you know, you tell them, you try to push them. Uh, when I was in Cleveland before, I tried to push some of those younger guys, hey, speak up. I think people respect you. I think people want to hear what you have to say. And, and they would always say the same thing. Oh, I'm too young. I just got here. You know, I don't want the veteran guys to get mad at me. And in Julio's case, it's just, you know, he's a, he's a natural. And everybody here, everybody here just, uh, you know, appreciates that he's that way. Man, I love the, the passion that he plays with. And you being from the Dominican Republic, you're Latino. We saw a bunch of passion during the WBC. My wife is Mexican. She shows passion when she's mad at me. Um, <laughs> but that's one of the things I loved about the WBC is just, the passion that was out there and with the influence that um, the Latin culture is having on baseball here in the States, do, 
do you think we should expect to see more passion in baseball being played out there? And and how do you feel about it? Because a lot of the, the old school baseball guys are like, man, you just hit the ball and get the first base. And I, I feel a, a, a culture shift going on. What about you? <laughs> yes, yes. The, the shift uh, is going to take uh, a, a long time because this game is, is an old game and it's always being played play under the, you know, just be professional, respect this, respect that, <laughs> respect everything, respect the grass, respect the flag, respect, you know, <laughs> the pitcher, the catcher, you know. And uh, the 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 winter ball, uh, which, you know, I spent a lot of time managing and coaching the winter ball, and it, it's just a lot of those guys are kind of transporting that into the major leagues. It's a, it's a game. You ought to have fun. And uh, I was guilty uh, at the beginning of my career here too of you know just just trying to be too strict when he when he came to all that kind of stuff and and I think fans appreciate that they want to they want to see that enthusiasm and uh, the WBC showed some of that even even you know even the the American team you know they were showing some emotions out there and uh, here in the big leagues uh, I think uh, we've seen the shift. It's, it's slow, but it, we've seen the shift because there's no longer so much, um, you know, rivalry or individual hate among players and stuff because a lot of them, they have the same agents and have the same agencies representing them and stuff like that. So uh, they're more friendly toward each other. And even when the culture, it, it's still ingrained in a lot of the guys about uh, just this is the way to do it. Uh, just respect this, respect that. Don't show any emotion, blah, blah, blah. I think uh, it's shifting, but it's going to take a while to get to that level that we we see in the WBC. Yeah. He is Mariners third base coach, Manny Acta, kind enough to join us today on the dugout in the Emerald Queen Casino Sportsbook Hotline. Thanks so much, Manny. Thanks, Good Manny. luck today. Thank you, guys. I really appreciate it. All right, let's take a look around the rest of MLB today. We are going to start with the Rays, still undefeated at 10 nothing after beating the Red Sox 1-0 yesterday. Monday was Tampa Bay's third consecutive shutout, or should I say shutty? Shutty. They lead baseball in runs scored with 76 and fewest runs allowed with 18. Oh, my gosh, the record for most wins to start the season is 13, set by the 1982 Braves and 87 Brewers. I'm just looking at the individual stats. Everything is amazing. Goodness gracious. Everything. You got Even involved. advanced stats. You got six guys over 1,000 OPS. Slugging's looking good. A couple guys batting over 300. This is what winning baseball looks like. Uh, let's catch up, man. I know. We got this. I think Come I was on. just looking at like defensive runs saved. Like In every category, Shucks. they are amazing. And uh, Curtis, who is the name of that um, starter that they have who was, who's been really solid? Jeff Spring. Jeffrey Springs. Jeffrey Springs. Yeah. yeah, it's just everything is going well for them. Three and uh, two games. Don't love seeing oh. another American League team doing a great job. But, hey, it's early. In the meantime, good for them. Starting completely undefeated. Pretty yeah, solid. Springs hasn't allowed a run yet. Neither has Drew Rasmussen. They're, like, top two guys. Mm-hmm. Shane McClanahan, who started the All-Star game last year, he's only allowed two earned runs so far. How's Wander Franco doing? Uh, Wander Franco, you know, just a casual four home runs on the season. <laughs> Classic. Randy Rosarena <laughs> oh, in 359. God. Unreal. Isaac Paredes, uh, he's got nine runs driven in, nine RBIs. They're stupid good Enough, right now. enough, Sorry. enough. Uh, Yankees broadcaster Michael Kay was none too thrilled that the team's bat boy in Cleveland had the audacity to have long hair and facial hair. 
strange to see a Yankee uniform and somebody wearing that uniform with that sort of hair. There are rules. Rules are rules. He's he's disobeying two of them. I think there's facial hair, and I think there's obviously the hair is below the collar. The red shoes. That's yeah. also against rules. I'm sorry. Is it already summer? Because it's feeling a little stuffy in here. I can't. Well, why, why would he come out there? The with audacity. The, oh, this is breaking the rules. This is the Yankees. Rules are rules. If I can't have hair, you can't either. The, now I can't grow it. Not but. the White Sox. <laughs> the the Yankees. Yankees' facial hair and <laughs> so dumb. long hair rule is the dumbest thing in sports. My gosh. Yeah. Why also, don't you win a World Series? You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> but also, that game where he was spouting off about the bad boy, it was a road game in Cleveland. And most road bad boys right. are employees of the home. Exactly. Yes, correct. Exactly. So that kid has no ties to the Yankees no, whatsoever. So you're just making fun of a young teenager oh, who's weird and happens to be helping enough. you out. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Who's already having a hard time. Yeah. Now you got to point it out on trying TV. Trying to find a date for prom or whatever's going on right now. Exactly. He's got a cast on. He broke his arm doing something silly. I never had braces. Me either. I was always really jealous. I never had braces. I talked to I'm moving on to the next. Story in response to games now going even faster. The Brewers have announced they will continue beer sales into the eighth inning, oh, bucking the trend that most teams end sales after oh, the seventh. Of course, you know the seventh inning stretch. And hear me out: the Mariners should do the same. Do the Mar- When do the Mariners play the Brewers? Uh, do they play? Them? They will. Every team plays they everyone. Will. That now. Book me. <laughs> Book me. Yep, they play them this month. Yep. You know what? I'm getting sick right now. That is now. the middle portion of their upcoming homestand. Oh, they're at home? Or yeah. I'm trying to go to Milwaukee. Oh, to Milwaukee? Yeah, I'm trying to go to Milwaukee. Uh, they, I don't believe they visit Milwaukee this season. Oh. I think next year they return the favor. going to go have a nice summer shandy. A line in Google. That's what uh, Scott Service told us last year. Yeah, I had to Google it. In a since-deleted Twitter thread, retired Astros catcher Evan Gaddis admitted to many things about the infamous 2017 season, including the times he used their sign-stealing schemes. And PED use. So, guys, there is a number of st- uh, things here that he tweeted. Here's one of them. Uh, the craziest thing about the cheating year, <laughs> like I'm just admitting it, is facing a guy like you, Darvish, and getting shut out knowing what's coming. Someone responded, so you knew what pitch from CeCe was coming in Game 7? He said, yes. Yeah. <laughs> like, they're just openly admitting to everything. That's not the only one. That's by far the only, uh, not the only one. More of this. Why not? Just embrace it. It happened. Everyone know what happened. Tell us more. 30 for 30 this thing. It'd be interesting. I want to oh, know. Oh, I would love a 30. What's a 30 for 30 you guys would love to see in baseball that hasn't yet been made? Now, that, mine would be one, bar course. none. 2007 Astros cheating scandal. Or 2017. 2017. Uh, Did I say 2007? Just I, kidding. I would. the. That's Yeah, that's probably the one. That's it. I want, well, 98 when Maguire, Sosa, Griffey. They did one already. Yeah, they but did? just Maguire and Sosa, yeah. and it's the summer. What is it oh, called? It I think is. it's like, like uh, long gone summer. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. How about Lawrence Taylor? Do they have one specifically on Bonds? Uh, not specifically on Bonds. I would bonds. want one on, I would watch one about Barry Bonds. Yeah, I would too. Maybe like, yeah, I don't know how you'd combine Aaron Judge. Like, just the controversy over the home run record and over PED usage and Hall of Fame votes. Like, I want a 30 for 30 about that conversation where we get to hear all kinds of points of view. Produce it. You got it. You, I know a guy. I'll tell you what. We'll get you going. <laughs> all right. That was a look around MLB. Coming up next, uh, back-to-back guests we can't wait to talk to. Root Sports Jen Mueller is going to join us at 145. Up first, though, Aaron Goldsmith, Mariners analyst. He joins us next. 
You're listening to The Dugout every Tuesday at 1 with Bump and Stacy on Seattle Sports Station, the home of the Mariners. Mariners broadcaster Aaron Goldsmith joining us now on the Emerald Queen Casino Sportsbook Hotline. Aaron, how are you? Stacy Bump, it's warm and sunny here in Chicago, which is not what it's like at home. So no. we're doing great. <laughs> Fantastic. <laughs> Thanks for reminding us. Thankfully, it's not pouring down rain for right now. But uh, the hope is that whether it rains or not, a Mariners win might make us all feel better. Now, they didn't get one yesterday, nor the day before. Aaron, this is kind of a weird version of the team. We're used to seeing the Mariners get away with these wins and extras and one-run games. What feels different this year? I know it's young, but... Uh, I would say uh, nothing feels different yeah. because they're playing extra inning games and are close games once again. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's even last year for as great as the Mariners were in those situations, they still lost games like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, it just is a while ago and isn't as fresh as the last two days. So uh, it's obviously feels a little bit different when your bullpen has been reshaped because of injury and uh, being taxed in the last couple of days, last uh, 72 hours in particular. Bullpen feels and looks uh, certainly different than it did when the Mariners broke camp. And injuries are to be expected. So that's that's part of the game. And Scott and those guys have to weather that storm. But this is part of it. And unfortunately, the Mariners lost the last two games. So one to a playoff team last year and the other to a, a very uh, much rebuilt Cubs team. Whether or not there'll be a playoff team this year, who knows. But it's a it's an improved team. There's no question from what the Cubs were last season. So the Mariners were in those two games and couldn't finish them off, which is certainly disappointing. Uh, but it wasn't like they were boat racing either of those games. And when you play in extra innings, hey, anything can happen. We all know that very well. This team has been... Um It's been exciting for me, honestly, right? You're not getting the results that you want at this time, but you're seeing guys show up. Now, you saw Colton Wong kind of do his thing a little bit. We're hoping for more there. Um, When you look at this DH spot, what do you think needs to happen? What are you seeing fill the people in? Well, the Mariners are taking an approach with the DH spot that is not at all uncommon around the game right now. There are very few teams, I mean, outside of Nelson Cruz, a name that instantly comes to mind for a lot of Mariners fans. Outside of Nelly, there are hardly any teams in baseball that have one guy that they can pencil in there as a DH every day. So the Mariners are using it as a revolving door, which is a, a pretty popular strategy right now and, and trying to play the matchups and trying to get some guys off their feet defensively. But it has been a struggle. The offense overall has been a struggle, and the DH position in the lineup has especially been one. There's no getting around that. Um, I don't think at Hopefully at the end of the year, the Mariners aren't, uh, let's call it, next to last or last in any variety of categories when you look at the DH spot in particular. But uh, it has not worked out well yet. I don't think it's for a lack of effort. I don't think it's a matter of trying harder. But uh, it just the hits have not been mm-hmm. coming from that position. And overall, the Mariners' offense has uh, been lethargic at times, which kind of feels like last year in some ways. The Mariners had incredible pitching last season to help buoy that. You would think that they would have some similar pitching this year as well, although, as we mentioned, it's been uh, certainly taken a hit or two with injury. Uh, but the Mariners would like to see this offense get off to a hot start at some point soon. Maybe tonight's the night. If, if anything, what last year taught me as a, a baseball fan is you never know. You really never know when a team is going to get hot. It could happen tonight. It could happen on the homestand. Uh, but hopefully for the Mariners, it happens sooner rather than later. Uh, now, Aaron, we're talking with Aaron Goldsmith uh, right now on the Emerald Queen Casino Sportsbook Hotline. Jared Kelnick off to a nice little uh, hot streak here. And uh, unfortunately for him, uh, he hasn't been able to like get a Mariners win on day. Days when 
with like he's been great. You just want him to be able to have that fun celebration. But you know it's coming. Um, he took kind of a different approach this offseason, training in a different area, sticking closer to Arizona. Have you seen a difference in his approach to the plate or in his at-bats? Well, I think Jared certainly looks more relaxed. He looks calmer. He looks more grounded. He doesn't look like each at-bat could determine the rest of his career, whether he (laughs) succeeds or fails. Um, Jared, like any of these hitters, is process-driven, and he's trusting the process, and he is stuck with what he, what you referenced, uh, what he incorporated into his game uh, over the course of the offseason. I think for this team, uh, for this team to get to the heights that it wants to get to, Jared Kalnick needs to be uh, an everyday part of this organization. Now, right now, he's not an everyday guy. AJ Pollock was brought in, and the, the I think the organization did a very good thing by limiting Jared's exposure to lefties, right? That's why Pollock is here, so that Jared doesn't have to face those tough lefties each and every night because he needs to get a base. He's never had a base underneath him, so to speak, at this level. And what Pollock's presence does is not only is he good for the overall team, but he's especially good for Jared Kelnick and his development at this level. Ultimately, for Jared Kelnick to be Jared Kelnick, he needs to be able to be in there against lefties. Mm-hmm. And hopefully that will come. When that comes, is, is that... By the summertime, is that next summer? That's to be determined. No one knows that. But he certainly has the talent, and we're seeing that. I think probably uh, he's one of the real bright spots for the Mariners offensively this year uh, so far because we are seeing that come to fruition. Even the, even the outs are typically hard-hit, quality contact, and he just... Boy, you don't get stressed when you watch him hit like you did it before. And that's probably because he's not stressed like he was uh, once before when he was at the plate. And we saw Flexen, I believe, the last time was against the Angels. Held him to two runs on on two hits. How important has he become in this rotation with with a couple guys out and then even throw Munoz from the bullpen being out? Yeah, you know, I've been really impressed by the swing and miss we've seen from Flexen. Uh, even when you go back to his first appearance out of the bullpen this year, like when you think of Flexen, you don't think of this huge swing and miss stuff from Flexen. Uh, but we've seen that so far in his uh, handful of appearances. I think when you look at the Mariners this offseason, you could easily uh, put some blinders on and make a strong case that if the Mariners wanted to maximize the talent on their 40-man roster that either Marco Gonzalez or Chris Flexen is no longer a Mariner, right? Because the Mariners, as we know, have needed to boost up their lineup, improve their offense, and they had an extra starting pitcher. And there aren't many teams that go to camp with an extra legitimate, qualified, big league starting pitcher. It doesn't happen that often. So the Mariners did not do that. They held on to both of those guys, and now just really days into the season, it's turning out to be an exceptional move because when you want to play in October, when you want to be chasing either a wild card spot or you want to be tracking down the Astros, one thing you cannot have is you cannot have a triple A equivalent player be forced into a everyday or near everyday role Mm. for a team that is competing to win. If you're trying to get back to that 90-win plat- uh, threshold that we've seen the last two years, you just can't have it. Can you have it for a short period of time? Absolutely. And, and every team, even championship teams, have that because injuries happen, emergencies happen, and sometimes you just get thin at a spot. But you cannot have that 
as a part of your rotation every five days. So credit to the Mariners, uh, credit for Flexen. I think he's so overlooked in this rotation, uh, and it has been for years. He's been such a quiet, steady performer since he has come to the Mariners organization, and it's a really important thing for the Mariners to have right now. Last question here. Now, he's not overlooked in the Mariners organization. I'm talking about Luis Castillo, but you could make the case that he's a little overlooked nationally when you're talking about like Cy Young candidates and Cy Young favorites. Does he have that kind of potential this year? Oh, sure. I think they're I, I, I agree. You could easily overlook him. Now, to be fair to people who are looking at every starting pitcher in the league, sure, I mean, course, you know, there's there's a lot of really great guys. Uh, and the Mariners see that firsthand like everybody else. But I think one of the things that potentially makes this rotation special is that when this team broke camp, I mean, true. I, I think I can be unbiased when I say this, but there are multiple guys where if you said okay, this guy's going to have the best season. No, this guy's going to have the best season. No, this guy's going to be an all-star. Like, you could really have a, a fun hypothetical debate about that, right? I mean, how many guys in that opening day rotation do you think could be in Seattle for the all-star game this year? I mean, right. wouldn't surprise you if Gilbert? Wouldn't surprise you if it was Kirby? Wouldn't surprise you, of course, if it was Castillo? Uh, and Robbie Ray, I mean, even still with the injury, who knows uh, what uh, the rest of his season will look like. So whether you're talking about smaller awards like the All-Star or something as grand as a Cy Young Award, there's that kind of talent, and it starts with Castillo because he is for sure the most dynamic guy in that rotation. He is Mariners broadcaster Aaron Goldsmith, kind enough to join us for the dugout. Aaron, thanks so much. Thanks, Aaron. Hey, guys. Thank you. Yeah. All right. Coming up next, bringing on another expert here, Root Sports, Jen Mueller. Don't go anywhere. You're listening to The Dugout every Tuesday at 1 with Bumpin' Stacy on Seattle Sports Station, the home of the Mariners. You are listening to The Dugout, wrapping up here with our final segment. Now, by the way, every single Tuesday you can hear The Dugout starting at 1 p.m. It's from 1 to 2, all Mariners. Thank you to third base coach Manny Acta for joining us, as well as Mariners broadcaster Aaron Goldsmith. Now, we are pleased to welcome on Root Sports' Jen Mueller on the Emerald Queen Casino Sportsbook Hotline. Jen, how's it going? Pretty good. I just got my cup of coffee in a Gatorade cup, which is one of the best uh, traditions in all of baseball, so... I'm about to get real excited here, Stacey. <laughs> the caffeine's going to be flowing. Um, <laughs> Give me another 20 minutes. This is going to be lit. I know. Yeah. Um, so I'm actually going to start with one specific player. Now, uh, I'm actually really, really excited to have you on because you get a chance to interview these guys regularly throughout the season. And so you see all the work they put in behind the scenes. And the player I'm going to start with is, no surprise here, Jared Kelnick. Um, how is this offseason different for him? And do you notice when you interview him uh, any kind of change uh, in his approach? I notice that there's still a lot of intensity. That has not changed right. when you talk to him. <laughs> but his offseason was really different. For the first time, he did not go home and work out at his family's baseball facility. He went to California. He worked out with a different hitting coach, and he's getting different results. And he bought a house in Arizona. It, it, was, um, it was a very different offseason for him. And, of course, what Mariners fans want to know is what does that mean on the field? Right. He is hitting the ball hard. And in the last three games, he's really being rewarded uh, five for 12 with three RBI in that big home run last night. Jim, before I ask you my baseball question, how's the city? I know you're a workout freak. You're going to wake up, go on your jogs. How, how's Chicago treating you? I love Chicago, but it's costing me money this trip because it is unseasonably <laughs> warm. So I have spent the last two days scouring the city for summer weather clothes to wear. 
Uh, but yeah, the run along the water is paid off by the donuts and the coffee that I have afterwards. It's perfect. <laughs> and Wrigley is amazing. I have never uh, covered a game here until last night. Wrigley is amazing. Awesome. All right. Now, now let's get to baseball. Okay. Uh, All right. <laughs> how are you feeling about a uh, uh, tail? You know, you're like Stacy mentioned, you're around these players all the time. We interviewed him. Seems like a calm guy, but it does show emotion. Seems like his bat might be heating up. Uh, what are you seeing out of tail? I like him. And you know what? He's a veteran who's been there. He's an all-star. He knows what he's doing. And he is committed to doing all the little things in his game. We've heard from Scott Service, and we talked to Christopher Negron. This is going to be part of Mariners' pregame tonight on Root Sports. But just how athletic he is in the outfield and how um, mobile he is. He is always moving. He is always looking for the best angle. He is reading the hitters. He's reading the ball off the bat. He is not a stationary outfielder. They really like that. They like his speed. They like his arm. The Mariners can't say enough good things about him defensively. And, you know, Teo himself has said he still needs to get better at things. There's things that he wants to work on. He puts in the work, and you are right, Bum. He is a calming presence. He knows what he's doing. He can get fired up. But he's also the guy, much like Luis Castillo, who is just going to be very solid and very stable in the clubhouse. Uh, Cal Raleigh, obviously with a breakout year last year, sent the Mariners to the postseason. Uh, bobblehead coming up in the next homestand uh, is uh, is going to look back at that moment. But let's talk about him behind the plate. Jen, I feel like, and I can't tell if this is real or not, I feel like I sense more ownership over the position as a catcher and um, you know, e- even more uh, maybe confidence in that relationship with pitchers. Do you sense that from him as well? Yes, and... He has got a different personality in the clubhouse this year. I mean, he is never going to be the guy that is front and center that is jumping to do interviews. That's not his personality. He will gladly do interviews. Don't don't confuse that. But he is funny. He's letting his personality come out. You're right. He is taking ownership of that group. And I do think a lot of credit goes to Tom Murphy on that because Tom is in an interesting role. And he wants to prove himself, too. He has been nothing but helpful and supportive of Cal taking in all this information because when you add pitch clock to this Mm -hmm. and you've got all of these things, Cal's plate is full and he's getting all the help. I just saw him. He was in the clubhouse studying the computer and making his notes and doing all sorts of things. Uh, But you're right. He's letting his personality come out just a little bit more. And it's really fun because he is neat and his family was in Cleveland. Um, so it was fun to watch the interaction with the family. His dad looks and sounds just like him, or, or rather Cal looks and sounds just like his dad. Like spitting image. It's crazy. You can't miss that resemblance. Genetics are strong in them Raleigh's. Genetics are strong. <laughs> they are. Jen, um, we're supposed to see a two platoon at second base in an outfield, and uh, we have not seen Dylan Moore. Now, I knew Dylan was going to be a big part of this thing, but I feel like uh, we're, we're feeling his absence a bit more right now. What do you expect once Dylan Moore comes back, and how do you think that's going to help Colton at second base? Yeah, you know what? That's an interesting question, and I failed to look and see what he did in the game last night. Dylan was scheduled to play last night in Arizona and start to work back into games. I, they're optimistic that he could rejoin the team at the end of this upcoming homestand but Dylan didn't have a whole lot of spring training work. So I'll get an update from Scott Service today on where he's progressing. I do think, look, it just gives them more options. And it's not just for Colton. It's kind of wherever they want to plug him in at. And 
I think once Colton gets going, and we saw the hit last night, I think that that helps to settle everything in just a little bit more. I think one of the underrated things that's happening defensively, and I was talking to Perry Hill about this yesterday, is without the shift and the way that players are positioned on that infield dirt, it does require you at times to turn a double play differently. And sometimes that involves Colton, sometimes it doesn't. But I I think there's a little bit of a feeling out process in the way the rules have changed. And for him, he has started slow in his career. I wouldn't be surprised if last night is is the the hit that he needed to start getting things going on the right track. You recognize her voice. It's Root Sports. Jen Mueller, kind enough to join us to wrap up the dugout here. Jen, thanks so much. Mueller. Absolutely. See you guys. <laughs> Bye. All right. And that will do it for us as well. Bump and I and Curtis are heading out. Thank you for listening to The Dugout. Don't forget, we're going to be back next Tuesday with another episode of The Dugout. It's going to be every single Tuesday from 1 to 2. All Mariners and the Mariners are taking on the Cubs for Game 2 later today. First pitch at 4.40. Pre-game show at 3.30 right here on Seattle Sports. Don't go anywhere.